Welcome to Reimagine Teaching Season 2. Yeah, we are um, took a break for the summer and my maternity leave, but we are going to be back um, with episodes this fall, and I'm so excited for this to be our first one. Um, I am here today with Heather, my stepmom, but also an educator in our district. So thank you for joining me. Yeah, I am excited to be here. <laughs> this is my first podcast ever. I'm a big podcast listener, so <laughs> this is, <laughs> it feels interesting to be on this side of it. Right. I know, and someone was telling me, they were like, oh, if you do video content, and I was like, no teachers want to be on video in the summer. No. <laughs> no. And I would have no guests. Yeah. Podcasts are, feel way easier. Well, we are going to start with um, what's bringing you joy this week. We are still on summer break, mm -hmm. but we just hit August, so it's impending mm -hmm. our return to work. So what is bringing you joy lately? Well, besides this grand baby, she has brought <laughs> me lots of joy. Whenever, but when else anyone asks me about my summer, I'm like, well, I have a new grandbaby. So, <laughs> um, so that has definitely been bringing me joy. Um, but also, um, we are Jeep owners. And so this is prime time to enjoy the Jeep. So we have, you know, the, the top off and the windows down. And so yeah. just driving around and seeing the trees and the flowers and feeling the sunshine and the wind, it's that's bringing me yeah. a lot of joy. Yeah. Mm -hmm. My husband came back from being out of town this weekend and he was like, you're a little red. And I was like, <laughs> uh, we were Jeeping. Yeah. This yeah, for sure. Yeah, I we spent a lot of time outside this weekend, which was so nice that the weather didn't feel too hot. Mm -hmm. um, and then, oh, I had texted you because we went to a flower farm mm -hmm. and I brought flowers home and the vase you sent me with fits on the windowsill behind the sink. Mm -hmm. So I went and bought a vase very similar. Oh. <laughs> so I was like, I feel like I need flowers behind the kitchen sink all the time. All the time. Because oh, absolutely. doing dishes is so much better when you have fresh flowers to mm -hmm. smell. Mm -hmm. So now I have to convince my husband to put it in the grocery budget. But right. <laughs> for now I have flowers I can cut in the yard. Yeah. But I was like, that was, I brought them home and I have to find a spot where the cats won't eat them. Yes. And Same. Yeah. So I was like, <laughs> oh, behind the sink, they don't ever get up there and then it fit. And I was like, I love having flowers when I do dishes. Yeah. And I have to do dishes all the time. Um, so tell us a little bit about yourself. What is your job? What is it that you do? Mm -hmm. I am a speech language therapist. Some say pathologist. <laughs> some say speech teacher. Some just call us you know, speech lady because most of us are women <laughs> in the schools. Um, yeah. So I work with children who have needs in the areas of speech and language. So any kind of communication. Do you usually do pull-out services, or you push-in, or a mm -hmm. combination? It's mostly pull-out. Okay. There are a few kids that I push in with, but usually it's pull-out. Okay. Mm -hmm. And then what does that speech therapy in the schools look like? So kids come, sometimes it's two or three times a week for 15 minutes. Sometimes it's twice a week for 20 minutes. Um, and... You know, we're either working on articulation, how they say their sounds, or we're working on vocabulary and grammar, um, stuttering, things like that. So, yeah. And you do a lot of games and, mm -hmm. um, like, play-based Yeah, stuff. I try to. Yeah. yeah. Um, if I did it 
the way that I really wanted to. It would be a lot of um, either story-based, so literature-based things, mm-hmm. or kind of project-based things. So yeah. for a while, before right before COVID, I was doing a lot of things in the kitchen. It's fun to cook with kids, and you get yeah. so many opportunities to you know, for language, for grammar and vocabulary and those kinds of things. So um, that was really fun to do. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we see that too with our ESL kids as we're trying to help them with grammar and vocabulary that like just sitting and doing flashcards is not meaningful or fun for them or for me. Right, exactly. Like if we can, um, for the high school students, one of my favorite things last year was to pull news articles that were related to the Mm -hmm. topic. Mm -hmm. Um, And I love news ela because i can pull it at different reading levels yes and so mm-hmm. my students who are not great readers can still you know we can still have a conversation but for them to not only read about stuff that you know i pulled a, so- a soccer article and mm-hmm. one of the kids was like yeah i think it's a pick what level they read so one kid was like yeah i'll take the really hard one because i know soccer really well and oh. he was like it, he was like i already know the topic really well so i'll read the hard article about it um but then you know when we did an article about you know, something else that he was like, yeah, I don't know anything about this and I'm really tired and he can pick them easier. Yeah. Um, I love that level of awareness and that level, that kind of freedom yeah. to pick what you yeah. know, you're and comfortable with in that moment. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what I tell the kids. We, we talk about, it's an elementary level thing, the zones of regulation. Mm-hmm. But I did a version of it with my high school kids mm-hmm. just because it gives you such an easy, like, hey, you seem like something's up today. You know, if you had to pick what color zone are you in? Yeah. And it's so much easier than asking them to name a feeling, mm-hmm. especially for kids who struggle with vocabulary. Yeah, right. Um, to say like, yeah, the picture's in the yellow. That's where That's, I am. That's, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Sounds good. I'll right. Anything. Um, but yeah, and then acknowledging like that affects your academic ability for mm-hmm. the day. Um, but the one article I pulled one day, for example, was about, um, oh, we're talking about tourism. And there's mm-hmm. a wall in Seattle that's just covered in gum. Oh. And people, like, purposely go and bring <laughs> gum to chew and stick to the wall. Okay. <laughs> and so the article was talking about, like, there's this huge tourist thing, and people come just to take pictures in front of it, and then they have to, like, regularly clean the wall, <laughs> and they, like, wear, like, hazmat suits, and we found pictures oh of that, too. Oh, my goodness. They use, a like, um, a steamer, like what you would use for yeah. your clothing, and steam <laughs> all the gum off the wall and scrape it. And so we're like, you know, I've posted pictures because I'm like, reading about it doesn't do it justice. No. And so, but they had to read the article and then I had pictures up and they were like, that is the most disgusting thing I have ever heard of in my life. Yeah. And so to talk about, you know, would you ever go and visit Mm -hmm. it? Why or why not? You know, to talk about, you know, someone was like, well, I don't think it would be worth, you know, the cost of the flight just to go see that. If I was in the area... Maybe, but not just to see that. Yeah. Um, but, you know, to use vocabulary and to mm-hmm. talk about, you know, stuff like that, but without doing flashcards about tourism and yeah. all that. Like, no, I wouldn't pay for a flight. You're right. We do buy a ticket. We pay for flights. Yeah. And, um, but in a way that was a lot more fun and engaging. You right. Know? And I was seeing, I saw something the other day that I, that I totally agree with. It was talking about when you're working with teenagers or talking to your own teenagers at home how awesome it is to ask to ask them questions about what they think about what's going on in the world or their lives. And mm-hmm. so it's not questions like, why didn't you pick up your laundry or why didn't right. you turn in that assignment, you know, if you're talking to your high school yeah. student. But what do you really think about that? Would you do that? Yeah. You know, things like that. And that's really affirming and for them. And yeah, and makes them feel like, oh, 
I matter, what I think right. matters, things like that. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, and those were fun. We always did, we did news articles, and then at the end of the unit, they have to do a project that puts it together, but usually it was opinion-based. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, you get to tell me the sports unit we did, like, lists all these activities. Would you say it's a sport or not? Mm-hmm. And why? Yeah. You know, is playing video games a sport? And the kids were like, no. And then one kid goes, wait, we watched a video. Yeah, we watched a video of a competition. Yeah. And people train for it. And people <laughs> pay to watch it. Right. And, and they were like, oh, right. Yeah. And so. So kind of challenging categories. Yeah, and mm-hmm. challenge that. Yeah. But also, yeah, like, you know, they're like, is this right? And I'm like, oh, no, you get to decide. Like, yeah, you're going to grade on if you do it, really. Right. <laughs> like, I'm not going to, you know, if you have a reason, then that's your reason. And yeah. I'm not going to tell you you're wrong. So that was really fun. The kids were like. But is it right? Oh. No, you get to tell me. Like, yeah. You know, one kid's like, dancing is not a sport. The other kid was like, have you ever? Right. <laughs> like, I'm tired after that. Um, And you, so you mostly work with elementary. Mm-hmm. It's the bulk. Yeah. And mm-hmm. you, one of the things about your job, it's similar to mine. You're not assigned to a school, correct? Well, you're assigned to a school. You're not hired by the school. Correct. So for both of us, we're mm-hmm. hired by the district mm-hmm. and then placed in schools based on need. Exactly. Um, which means we can be moved anytime. Mm-hmm. We can be split between schools anytime, mm-hmm. depending on what the need is across the district. Correct. Um, for example, I have not been told yet where I'll go this year. <laughs> <laughs> I'm assuming it'll be a similar similar to where I was placed last year, but... You really never know. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And so. I am staying in the same building, but I haven't been told what classes I'm teaching mm-hmm. yet. Because um, that also changes for me based on need. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't get to pick which co-teachers I work with. Mm-hmm. So I just have to hope. And yeah, that's a little bit stressful. Yeah. Um, but I wanted to bring that up because that goes into the, our topic for today. We're talking about setting boundaries at work, specifically the term quiet quitting, which I was trying to find a, the quote yesterday and I'll summarize it in a minute but um for both of us our jobs are when you're split between buildings Mm -hmm. or when you have a job that like I have a principal in the building who's in charge of my department but I also have someone at the district office who is actually my boss correct Mm -hmm. and so same I report to both of those people (laughs) but neither of them really know what my job entails because Mm -hmm. one only knows the building aspect and one only knows the ESL aspect right and only vaguely because she isn't actively an ESL teacher and so that makes my workload really weird sometimes right because who do I go to when I'm struggling or feel overwhelmed or need more support Mm -hmm. when I have you know multiple people Mm mm-hmm that are in charge of me and not really tiered and it's it makes it a little bit weird right (laughs) and I know you have yeah and the culture of every building is different you know like it looks different in every building who they want you to report to or maybe just they have an interest in right this area or they have a heartfelt interest in that area right like they're just like oh this means a lot to me so I'm gonna be supportive yeah so it's navigating that is can be interesting so there's no like rule for it yeah right mm-hmm. yeah and we found like with our current admin when we go to her and request things she frequently then goes straight to our um coordinator and clarifies but our oh. coordinator doesn't always know 
mm-hmm. why we're requesting or the needs in our building specifically. Mm-hmm. So she'll often give answers that are not like, we're like, no. And if we had known she was going to go to you, we would have given you the context. Yeah. So that makes it weird too, to be like, mm-hmm. and when, cause she was new, our admin was new last year. She would also go and ask the previous admin whose job she took. Oh no. But it was, so it was very awkward of like, we're trying to advocate for what we need but she felt like she had to check with everyone else that our needs were valid. The term quiet quitting was like the word of the year in mm-hmm. 2021, I think. Um, when I saw it a couple weeks ago, I think it was a Reddit post, and someone said something like, quiet quitting is the term boomers are using because they don't like that younger generations are setting boundaries at work. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. Right. Um and so as far as like, you know, the term is technically or is officially, you know, you're minimizing the amount of work you're doing outside of your contract mm-hmm. and you're doing the bare minimum as what's asked of you at work. Right. Um, some of the other uh, terms that people are using, because quitting has such a negative connotation. Right. Um, is... Uh, like silent servitude is one. I really like alliteration too. So I like, yeah, yeah. like <laughs> quiet quitting, silent yeah. servitude. Yeah. Um, you know, that we're just, we're not gonna just give up time for free. Right. Um, mm. Or, you know, the positive of it is you're working your wage. Again, oh, love yeah. alliteration. Yeah. You know, if like this is what I'm too. getting paid, then this is what I'm doing for mm-hmm. that amount of pay. Right. You want me to do more, pay me more. Right. Um, I just was talking this morning about a friend or to a friend who it's Thursday. He's already put in 52 hours of work this mm. week. And so one of our other friends was like, oh, that overtime must be nice. And he was like, I don't get paid overtime. And he's like, well, then find a new job because holy right. cow. Right. And he said, I can't find a new job that's against my brand. And I <laughs> had not had caffeine yet. And I snapped back, your brand of working for free? Right. Yeah. Like. Dude, yeah, you're already 12 hours over your full-time mm-hmm. commitment. Unless they're making it up for you next week by giving you days off. Mm-hmm. They owe you money. Right. Um, but, you know, to tease him about, yeah, of course everyone wants to hire you because you work for free. Right. A lot. <laughs> right. And you're available at all. I mean, he'll answer emails yeah. and do phone calls at 10 p.m. Right. But you're not getting paid anymore for that. So. No, no. Um, and one of the other things that I thought was interesting, and then I will actually let you talk on it, um, was that a lot of people said it was fueled by the pandemic, mm-hmm. this idea, either kind of for two reasons. For people who had to come and work from home, mm-hmm. then it was really hard to separate work and home. True. Because... Especially if you weren't used to working from home, you didn't have a space that was dedicated, a dedicated office where mm-hmm. you could shut the door. I know at your house, because you had three teenage boys, mm-hmm. and you and dad worked from home. Right. So there just isn't enough rooms yeah. for everyone yeah. <laughs> to like have their own workspace and have a living space that's separate. Right. Um, and because it's at home, oh, I'll just check this email real quick, or right. I'll just mm-hmm. work a couple extra minutes and get this done. Mm-hmm. Um, and so for some people, that's where... That, you know, you start to take on more because it was convenient. Mm-hmm. I think the opposite is true, too. Um, for my husband, for Joe, they had a lot less work during the pandemic. Because sure. he was working for a construction company. Right. And they just didn't have jobs because nobody was doing construction. Mm-hmm. And so he was really frustrated 
because he had to go in for 40 hours a week, um, but was only doing eight hours of work and then was just sitting there. Right. And he's like, you know, and they're like, oh, do some, you know, extra trainings or do get some certification. He's like, why? Yeah. Just for busy work. Right. right? Literally. Literally. Can you organize some stuff or do? And he's like, no. Mm -hmm. So this idea of like. You know, I'll do what I'm expected, but that's it. Mm-hmm. That FaceTime at the job, too, is what you're talking about. Yeah. That's what they wanted. They wanted just right in the chair. Yeah, and he was like, I'll Your show up. Your face is there, right. But, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and he ended up quitting that job, mm-hmm. and that was part of it. He part was of it. like, mm-hmm. I'm getting paid to just sit here, mm-hmm. um, which he's like, that doesn't, I'd rather be home. I mean, he's a homebody anyway. Yeah, right. <laughs> like, um, Same. <laughs> So I guess the first question I had, well, mm-hmm. do you, have you seen this or felt this, um, like in your own school building or for you personally? Mm-hmm. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> absolutely. And I think for me, I started thinking about it, um, a long time ago. Um, part of it was because of my, my dad, you know, mm-hmm. so pop as yeah. you call him, um, he his job which was in a college setting it was more of a vocation for him he he loved it he got so much out of it um all of those things but i also feel like he he spent so much of his body and brain and mm-hmm. then there wasn't anything left yeah over and he was very worn down and very sick because of it right and I don't know maybe if he had a crystal ball and he could see that that's what was going to happen he would have chosen to do that anyway because it was worth it to him maybe I don't know but it but I guess I started thinking about it after watching him and thinking um you know is that is that the right way to do life is that how I would want to do life and then I would look at the teachers around me too who give especially classroom teachers, Mm -hmm. they give so much of their time. They give so much of their brains, so much of their bodies, so much of their, they give so much. And then, yeah, what their, the compensation that they get is just not equal to what they give. And then they, of course, they spend their own money in their classrooms. We have contract hours, but to do what they're told to do, they must work beyond those Mm -hmm. contract hours and I just thought, what are we doing? <laughs> why why did society structure it this way? Right. Or why have we allowed it to be structured this way? I, I would say to teachers, just stop. <laughs> you know? right. Just don't, don't do anything beyond your contract hours. Don't spend your own money. Don't do these things. But of course, then what, what would happen or what they imagine would happen is the children, the students would pay the price for that. Right. They would suffer. And teachers, they cannot imagine letting that happen. That's really, really hard for them. Right. Um, so then for me, so I've been, so I've been thinking about this for years, right? And then, and then also I have a chronic illness that comes and goes, and I have had to say no to lots of things in my life. So it, it became easier for me at work to be like, this is my contract hour. I'm leaving yeah. after this. I don't check emails after that time. I don't take home, you know, I don't take home work. And so I had that boundary, yeah. um, you know, for a while be- because my health forced me to make that choice. Um, 
but then recently though <laughs> I've been I've just feeling been feeling like there are things that I'm asked to do that don't benefit the students or me mm-hmm. and now I'm more willing to say no to those things mm-hmm. so right? that's I kind of want to for people who are not in education or just don't realize so kind of two things first what are some of the things that teachers and educators are expected to do that would be outside of contract hours like what mm-hmm. do you see people doing outside of the mm-hmm. hours so like for example i um last year i had at high school we call it preps i had four mm-hmm. preps four different classes i taught every day mm-hmm. or co-taught mind you i'm not teaching them all so i don't have to do all of the legwork of making lesson plans and stuff but my students need specialized notes and mm-hmm. study guides and um so all of that work still has to happen. Yeah. Um, and four preps is a lot mm-hmm. for, you know, one planning period to try to work on content for four different classes. Yeah. And I'm responsible for accommodating students, which means extra time. Mm-hmm. So a lot of time, my planning period and my lunch were spent working on tests with students who needed to finish. Because right. when else is that supposed to happen? Yeah. Well, then all my planning and prepping and making mm-hmm. copies had to be, I went in early. So before school, I was at work an hour, you know, 30 minutes to an hour before school mm-hmm. to make copies and um, prep materials because mm-hmm. I knew I wasn't going to get a break from students all day. Right. Yeah. What I see teachers or, you know, hear them talking about, of course, is, you know, a lot of grading that they don't mm-hmm. have time to do during the day. Yeah. Um, I think, of course, they prep. Um, I think they do lesson planning too, you know, after hours. Um, and then that's probably when they answer emails from families, right? Um, Oh, that's a huge one. mm -hmm. When I was talking to Jenna, who was on the podcast last year Mm -hmm. and she had, um, she quit teaching, but she was a preschool teacher. She's like, they told us we were supposed to call families like every other week. And she's like, when? When? Yeah. When am I supposed to have time to make mm-hmm. phone calls? She's like, if they don't answer, then it feels like a waste of time. Mm-hmm. If they do answer, mm-hmm. she's like, some parents, I can't get off the phone. Right. And now I'm like, hey, kids are coming back from recess. I have to go. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, like that's so time consuming. Mm-hmm. And if you do it during the school day, nobody, our parents are working. Right. <laughs> what a waste of right. time. You know, they're not going to answer. They're at work. Right. So I think there's just, there's so many demands because we know you know, so, so many different children need different things. Right. And so then you're, you're tailoring all this different, you know, content or you're, you're trying to build relationships with them Mm -hmm. because we know that kids learn better if you have a good relationship. And, um, this kid, you need to relate everything to sports because that's what they're interested in. This kid is music or this kid doesn't have time for any of that because they have to work to support their family. So maybe I need to think, you know, like, right. so you're just constantly, there's just so, there's just too much yeah. to do, um, to, to make teaching effective. Yeah. Um, what about, so. you mentioned the things that the district or the building asks that feel not mm, important or not beneficial. Mm-hmm. So I think of like, our building every year comes up with a like, this is our building goal. Mm-hmm. And we're supposed to be implementing it and keeping data about it. Mm-hmm. And I think our goal last year was close reading, which actually I agreed with and did really well on that. But then there's been years where like our goal is, you know, 
multiplication facts. And I'm like, my kids don't know their numbers in English. So right. <laughs> <laughs> this doesn't apply to me or right. my students. And for me to keep data on their right. multiplication facts is such a waste of time for us. Yeah. Um, what other things do you feel like are demands on teachers that just feel not? Yeah. I mean, that was, that was probably one of the main ones is just the, the system that's in place to evaluate teachers, Mm -hmm. um, I think might have been a good idea if it could be implemented the way it was, you know, it's supposed to be implemented. (laughs) Cause last year I did the training to be a mentor teacher and I didn't end up with a mentee, but it was really interesting to sit through the training because the lady who came in was like, yeah. And then you go through the process with these new teachers on, you know, exactly that, that system where they get to set a goal. And finally someone in the training was like, that's not how it works in our district. And she was like, well, this is like a statewide system. (laughs) And I was like, okay, but, in our district, usually the principal sets the goal for the building mm-hmm. and then, you know, to make it easier and stuff. But then if it's not valuable to me, right. and it's, it feels very silly. Like I said, you know, if we're talking about multiplication facts, mm-hmm. I don't have any data about it anyway. Right. And part of it, it's supposed to make it easier for teachers and makes it easier for administration because they don't actually have to read everyone's goal if it's all the same. I, and it's not individualized no. to the teachers and the students. And I love collecting data and mm-hmm. analyzing data. Yeah. And I mean, I will do a spreadsheets and, you know, this many kids made growth by this much. Yeah. And why, you know, we, I made a bunch of tests online this year. So I was able to mark them each by standard and then print out reports and say, like, this is the standard my kids struggle with the most. And, awesome. Mm-hmm. But, well, who do I show that to? Because yeah. that wasn't my goal for the year. Right. Nobody wanted that information right but that's what you should be spending your time <laughs> but on. that's what that i want to spend time on yeah is right for your students and luckily you know for my evaluation i'm i'm allowed to do my own goal my issue is that nobody who would understand what i'm talking about in, right. <laughs> in my is is looking at it no so it's no the person you know my administrator even if they're great and wish they could <laughs> They don't. They're not speech therapists. And so right. they don't know how to give me adequate feedback about that. And so I'm just so I'm yeah, why why do it? Why spend the time? Right. <laughs> and I think too, part of me, you know, we're you know, as a culture, we're very performance and product oriented, right? Like we're, you know, at least for me to just do something halfway or just good enough. Right. That's not how we were trained to do things. No. And so I've just had to be like, this doesn't have to be amazing. Right. <laughs> right. This doesn't have to be like somebody's grading this and going to give me an A plus and going to, you know, give me that because that's that's not going to be beneficial for me as a therapist or for my students. Right. And so I need to let that go and to let it go well I've had to kind of go upstream and think about where did that even come from? Where did that yeah. expectation come from? There's just a lot of cultural things yeah. that I blame it on. Some capitalism, some pro- Protestant puritanism, some, mm-hmm. you know, patriarchy. Like there's just a lot of things thrown in there that if you think, go upstream and think about where did, where did that come from? Where did that expectation come from? Yeah. Right. Oh, that's where it came from. Okay. Well, I can absolutely let that go. Right. You know? <laughs> But well, my, it takes some analysis. My realization with the mm-hmm. that whole system, mm-hmm. evaluation system, was pre-COVID, I got 
you know, it's out of, is it a four point scale? Mm-hmm. And I couldn't get, they're like, you shouldn't, you know, you will never reach all fours. One, what's the point? I'm, you know, a straight A student. If right. I'm not going to get an A, I don't want to do it. Right. Um, but two, in order to get four, you know, a total four points in one of the categories, as an ESL teacher, we have our own rubric. The guideline says um, effective and regular two way communication with coworkers. Right. How can you score me, one person, on two way communication mm-hmm. unless you give me people's email passwords so I can email myself back? <laughs> I don't understand how right. you can knock me down right. <laughs> for ineffective two way communication. Right. And I was like, and I said that. I was like, how am I supposed to force two-way effective communication on other people. Mm-hmm. I don't understand, like, what? Mm-hmm. And also, I mean, unless you're going to give me a lot of time to teach other people how to check their email regularly and reply, <laughs> but that shouldn't, teaching adults how to check email shouldn't no. be part of my job. I mean, no. how? How can that be? In order to get a perfect right. score, it relies on what other people are doing. Right. Okay, then I'm, this is dumb. I'm, I'm out. Yeah. I'm out. <laughs> I was like, not, and that's what he said, and I, it's like, it's not about how I'm working with students. It's about how other people are communicating with me. Then yeah. what am I supposed to do about that? Right. And we know that. We know that collaboration with other teachers would promote growth in our students. We know that. But again, there's not enough time built into our no. day to do that either. And that's super frustrating. And if you have to take into consideration everybody's preferences on how they communicate and learn, right? right. Because teachers and your colleagues are also people right. <laughs> who have different communication styles and learning profiles. And so and that takes a lot of, I mean, oh my goodness. I'd be like, say, okay, this teacher will never email me back. Yes. So as an introvert who doesn't really, you know, I don't prefer, I would very much prefer they email me back. Right. right? But I have to be like, no, I'm just going to have to drop in and make yeah. that But then know, that's effort. time to say, mm-hmm. okay, I have to drop into this classroom today, which is going to be at least 25 minutes. Right. If there's no one else, you know, in the room mm-hmm. and I can get through this conversation quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, yeah. And then, you know, okay, so drop in here, email this person. Mm-hmm. I had teachers who preferred to text, so I was texting people. Mm-hmm. And that's a lot of... I mean, and I worked with six teachers at once, so, mm-hmm. you know, that's a lot of time. I also, before I moved to this district, the first school district I was at, um, was not marked down, but part of when we talk about quiet quitting, was encouraged to do more after-school things, mm-hmm. um, to run a club yes. or attend sports events, mm-hmm. um, but none of that was paid. No. Mm-hmm. And so <laughs> I was like... And I was, you know, a first, second year teacher mm-hmm. who was grading and lesson planning mm-hmm. every weekend. And I was like, no. Yeah. I'm not coming after work mm-hmm. to just sit here. Yeah. Um, and I did, like, when my students, my students were on the soccer team. So I showed up to soccer games and brought snacks. Yeah. But but it was, you know, when I had the, the capacity, not right. a regular commitment. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm glad for that. Because I think a lot of first year teachers would think, oh, this is what I need to do so that administration will right. like me and think that I'm committed and think that I'm right. good, you know? <laughs> like, yeah. there's a lot of that. No, and um, thankfully, I had a mentor teacher who was like, don't. Good. Like, she was good. like, mm-hmm. you have plenty of time mm-hmm. when you're further along in your career. Don't worry about it. But now, what? I'm going to my eighth year teaching. I still have never done an after-school club. No. You know, because the, you know, I don't have the capacity. No. Mm-hmm. And the effort and it takes, you know, to set up and advertise and then 
you know, make sure it runs effectively. And I don't know, I haven't found any. And they're like, oh, we need someone to run this club. I'm like, I want to run a club that is something that would benefit my students specifically. Yes. After school clubs don't benefit my students. They yeah. can't stay after school. Right. They have jobs or they have to get home. Right. Mm-hmm. So, no. Right. <laughs> Sorry. And we're already asking kids to be at school for, for eight so hours. Long. Like so. So um, exactly, unless it's something that that they really love, you know, that lights them up, then right. sure. But yeah. So do you think, when I'm reading and listening to people talk about quiet quitting, Mm -hmm. it usually is, I mean, the term itself is negative. Do you think doing the bare minimum of expectations is a negative thing? Does it have to always be a negative thing? No, absolutely not. I think you decide what's essential, and but that's a hard thing to do right first of all but no it's not a negative thing because because we're people too and mm-hmm. we get to have a life we get to have um to not feel run down I don't I don't think that it's good or right or wise to give so much of yourself that you are so worn out that then you can't do what lights you up or have or rest, you know, just rest. Um, I have felt, you know, this summer, you know, it's like my mind, my mind has come back online a little bit and I can dream a little bit and think about, think about things in a way that I just don't have the capacity to think about when, you know, when I'm working Mm -hmm. and that's exciting. That feels good. It makes me feel like, you know, a human (laughs) again and not just, um, this person who is slogging, you know, through, the day just yeah. to get things done things yeah. done right um, and I think so. I mean what you said that you know committing yourself so much of yourself to any one thing isn't good for you I mean we right. saw that you know my brother who's about to go to college about his girlfriend I know you love her mm-hmm. committing all of your time and energy and self to mm-hmm. one thing or one person mm-hmm. is just not good for you right you know, whether it's your job or your girlfriend or your you know yeah whatever that yeah we are complex human beings yeah. and you have to leave some room and space for that um which I do we talk my friends and I talk all the time um about the teacher Instagram accounts mm-hmm. and just like the effort and time, like, that's your whole, that's your whole being. Yeah. To create things for your classroom, post about your classroom, um, network with people about teaching. That's it. That's all you're doing. Yeah. Right. And, um, and we're like, no, no. I want to travel and play games. <laughs> yes. mm-hmm. And, you know, I love to cook. And so we've been having friends over on the weekends. So I have a reason to cook some bigger meals and. Um, you know, be outside and, mm-hmm. you know, I don't want to sit at my computer and design cute graphics all day, every day. Right. Um, but yeah, we say that about everything, you know, anything. If someone's like, all I do all the time is, mm-hmm. you know, play video games, you'd be like, that's not healthy. Right. But I think because of teaching is uh, such, you know, it's for the students. So yeah. then it's okay that that's yeah. all you're doing. And I'm like, no, no, if it's really that, if society really values it that much, then they should provide more resources. It's, right. It's, I get so upset this time of year because teachers start posting their, well, now it's become Amazon wish list. Yeah. You know, it used to be something, it used to be different, but um, 
And yes, I get it that they need to do that so that they don't have to spend so much of their money. But I, I hate that there is a need for that. I it's was just talking, it's ridiculous. Just it's talking to my mother-in-law yesterday. Yeah, I don't my because of my job. The building doesn't have a budget for our department, mm -hmm. and my department at a district level doesn't have a budget per building. Right. So if I need pencils and notebooks, mm -hmm. I have to beg or steal or buy them myself. Right. <laughs> like, mm -hmm. what? Yeah. I have to buy my own pencils and notebooks. Yeah. It's silly. It's not like these teachers are asking for extras. <laughs> They're no. asking for necessities. You know, or like when a new teacher started last year and she was asking for bookcases. <laughs> and I just thought, this is ridiculous. Why? Why? What are we doing? Right. You know, can you admit, you know, um, your dad, my husband <laughs> works for a large corporation can you imagine if he went on Facebook and said, I need, you know, this new keyboard or this new right. monitor to do my job well? I mean, it's ridiculous. Right. I just, I And just even the fun stuff. System. I mean, yeah. my students a couple years ago, we um, fundraised for a couch and mm -hmm. a couple comfy chairs. Oh my gosh, that should not be such a big deal. No. That my classroom, which serves as a study hall most of the day, mm -hmm. what we wanted, a leather couch. Mm-hmm. So that my kids can relax when they come in. Yeah. <laughs> like. Yes. What? Because we know that a relaxed brain. Right. And a brain that's if happy. If they feel comfortable in your room, mm -hmm. they'll learn better. They'll then learn better. Then give me the things I need to make them feel comfortable yeah. in here. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Especially for you, because you're like, I actually have the degrees in this. Like, yeah, I, know. <laughs> I, 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 I know. Like, this is, this is what would benefit yeah. kids. And to have to beg and borrow and agonize about it. Like, it takes up so much of our our mental and emotional capacity to to think about this is what I need and then to think how can I get what I need yeah right instead yeah. of it just being society being like you're right this is valuable here you go yeah and instead you know we're and that's what's hardest for me when we talk about quiet quitting and you said at the beginning if it feels like if we don't do it nobody does it right and then our students suffer mm -hmm. not feels like that's true that's accurate yeah like if I don't if I don't do it, nobody's doing it. Yeah. And that's not a thing. That's a, that's true. That's true. Mm -hmm. um, one of the things I keep bringing up, because I think it's bullshit, is that I got in trouble for feeding, having kids in my room for lunch last year mm -hmm. and for feeding them ramen. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, well, if they're hungry, they need to go to the lunchroom. No, my kids, if they don't qualify for free and reduced lunch, they also maybe don't have the money to pay for lunch. Right. Or if they do qualify, all of their friends know they're on free lunch because you don't get a choice. You just get the one meal yeah. and everybody knows. And that feels uncomfortable. And that's uncomfortable. And so they don't yeah. eat. Um, but also, you know, build relationships with students so they <laughs> yeah. feel welcome at school. Make the school a welcoming environment without relying on your teachers. Right. Right. Like, yeah. what? <laughs> right. Yeah. Our security guards should not be yelling at kids between who are in the hallway between classes. That doesn't make them want to be here. No. When my student comes in with a do-rag because he just got his hair done, he shouldn't be yelled at. Right. Hey, remember there's no hats in school. Oh, you just got your hair done. Well, you know, can you have it off by tomorrow? Yeah. I totally get it. Even if you don't get it. Right. But it shouldn't be my job to make my students feel welcome and safe. Right. In the school, if that's a goal. Then you got to make that a school, a district thing. Right. Yeah. Same for, um, you know, we talk about our reading. We had a reading goal last year. We want all our kids to be really good at close reading. Great. 
that shouldn't be just on me. Mm-hmm. How are you making that accessible in every class? Right. Are you coaching teachers through it other than once a quarter when we meet for staff meeting? Right. No, then it's not going to happen. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, one of my, like, the the school that I got my, my master's degree from, I never got to visit, and then they closed. But it was um, an elementary school connected to the university. Oh, neat. Um, but they also had a food pantry and uh, therapy services on site. Wow. And a clinic, a health clinic. So the college kids got to work all through their college program at the elementary and high school. Yeah. Um, but there also was community services available. Yeah. Like, we know that these kids need mm-hmm. therapy services, so we're just going to bring it. Yeah. And we know they struggle with food insecurity, so we're just going to have it here. Right. Um. And that kind of thing, like you said, if society says, oh, what teachers are doing is so valuable because kids really need that, then make it happen right, Yeah. without me having to make an Amazon wish list asking for ramen and granola bars. Right. Mm-hmm. Because granola bars are not that expensive. Yeah. <laughs> to keep right. on hand. Right. Um, yeah, the therapy services is one of the things that frustrates me the most because mm-hmm. we know kids need it. You can say we have school counselors, but they're overworked, and oh my that's goodness. not what they're doing. Oh, my goodness. So overworked. Yeah. Um, most of the time, they're doing event planning and coordinating. hmm And when my students need to talk to somebody, they're not available. Right. So then that's on me and my lunch and my prep. Yeah. Or, I mean, and you might have something similar. I'm not in charge of a classroom by myself. I push in. So there's been times where I've had to text my co-teachers and be like, so sorry, Something's going on. I'll fill you in later. Not yeah, going to make it. Right. Like, one of our students is having a meltdown, mm-hmm. and his brother is reacting to it, and mm-hmm. they just need an adult. But, you know, I have the flexibility to do that, and I don't mind doing it for my students, but also I shouldn't have to. Right. Right. And there's been so many cases where I'm one of one or two or three adults in the whole building the kid feels safe with. Yeah. That's insane. Right. Yeah. That should not all fall on me. No, it shouldn't. (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah. But don't, but don't you wonder, like, have, have we really taken the time to like imagine, okay, if we could get everybody to just, to set lots of boundaries, I do wonder how, how long, how long would it take for society to wake up and, and be like, oh, you know, I just, I don't know. Something, something has to give. There has to be some kind of. I don't know, revolution of some kind where everybody just says no more. Yeah. This is, this is how, this is what's happening. No more. Yeah. That's where I'm, I'm struggling and wanted this to be our first episode going into the new school year, especially now having Charlie. Yeah. I don't want to stay at work late. No. I want to come home and see the baby. I don't want to work after dinner. Mm -mm. That's not, I want to either go to bed or you know, see my husband or play with the baby. Yeah. Um, you need to, you need to have the time to nurture those relationships and then also yourself. Right. <laughs> um, but how, how do we decide what is value, valuable and important and how do we say no to things that mm-hmm. aren't? I told you before we started recording that I got sassy with someone yesterday and yeah. drop off where I was like, no, I'm not doing that. My husband's like, yeah, you're kind of an asshole for that. And I was like, okay. Um, (laughs) But, you know, that was very low risk. I probably will never see that man again. And if I do, he won't remember it was me. But how do I do that with my boss to say, "Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
that's not going to work for me. <laughs> yeah. How, how much, how much of it do you think in our profession? Because so, so many of us are women. I just feel very curious about this. Oh yeah. About the good girl conditioning, you know, that it, yeah. like, and most like your our... husband said you were, you were an asshole for doing that. I, you know, I, I feel like that that is a lot of what we're afraid of. Yeah, is that we're we are afraid to to say no. This is all I'm doing because we have been conditioned for a very long time. I think generations before it yeah. was even more so. I, I'm hoping that it's getting less and less with each generation. But I feel like that the culture even of teaching has been so affected by good girl conditioning. Yeah. <laughs> this idea that no, we can't say no, and yes, we're nurturers, so yes, we're gonna give it all. Yeah. Um, and most of the admin I've had have been mm-hmm. men. Yeah. Every principal I've had mm-hmm. has been a man. And most of the deans and assistant principals, too. Yeah. So then, I mean... Mm-hmm. And, and for me, that's something interesting. Because I... Oh. Yeah, Charlie? <laughs> yeah. Because um, I grew up with two, you know, a dad and a stepdad who mm. were both very particular about some things mm-hmm. and very adamant about some things. Mm-hmm. And so I was, I worked very, very hard. I was just talking to somebody with this mm-hmm. the other day to do all the things right. Mm-hmm. And so I do have that. I mean, mm-hmm. even when Joe and I started dating and mm-hmm. I was like, are you okay? What do you need? Can I cook for you? Can I do the dishes? Mm-hmm. And he was like, I'm a grown adult. Mm-hmm. Like, no, mm-hmm. I can take care of myself. I just want to hang out with you. And I was like, oh. Oh. Interesting. <laughs> but I still, I think I still feel that, especially still, I keep blaming it on my age, where I'm like, all of these people that are over me are men who are older than me. Yeah. And so, it, you know, not in a weird way, but, you know, to be like, I don't want to disappoint them yep. or upset them mm-hmm. because that's how I lived for the first 20 years of my life. Yeah. I want them to think I'm awesome and amazing and easy. Right. That's, I think that's a big part of it. We want them to think that we are um, easy breezy to get along with. We're, well, because there's such a stigma about, you know, women being catty or difficult. The one issue high I needs, had. High, it was high, we were called high maintenance, you know, yeah. back when I was young. I don't know what it's, yeah, called, yeah. What it's called for you guys. But yeah. When I had an issue with a female coworker and I went to the principal and was like, she yelled at me in front of students. That's not okay. Right. Professionally, that's not okay. And he said, well, you know how women are. <gasps> oh my goodness. No. No. And that, and that experience then makes it really difficult for me. That is should not be a boundary I have to fight for. No. Do not yell at me in front of students. Don't right. yell at me at the workplace at all. Right. But especially not in front of our class. Right. That's entirely inappropriate. And for my admin to come and say, well, she's just having an off day, you know, women. Oh, my god. I don't want to go to him about other no. stuff or things I need. No. Because clearly it doesn't matter. Right. And then I have students who are, you know hey, this student who happens to be a female is struggling with something. What are you going to say about it? Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, just the, the generational, yeah, women are typically teachers. Mm-hmm. Admin are men. Mm-hmm. And there is an implicit understanding that we'll just do it. Yeah. And then there's the very explicit, like, uh, we do awards every year for teachers in every building. And it's always the people who do the most after school yep. and take on the most things. Yep. And 
No. No. Oh my gosh. No, we need an award for who had the most balanced life, yeah. you know? <laughs> or, you know, who who's the best who's the best at setting boundaries? Right. <laughs> who left at their contract time yes. every day? So and so so and so, yeah, only spent this many hours yeah. working. Let's yeah, congratulate her. Yeah. yeah. Because yeah, every year it's this person does so much mm-hmm. and they, you know, are here after school and before school and helping mm-hmm. students. But and I'm like, they sound exhausting. Yeah. <laughs> It'll be interesting this year. Prior to, I've always been the child free teacher. Right. And there's a priority of teachers who have families mm-hmm. clearly have to go home and get home to their kids. Right. But if you're single and child free, then you can stay longer. Mm-hmm. Or for me, I mean, even after getting married, my husband's such a homebody and doesn't want to do anything. Yeah. So it's not like I was rushing home to, you know. Yeah. I mean, I want to see him, but there wasn't. What? <laughs> She's like, I have something to I say, know. too. Um, there wasn't an expectation of, like. You know, I need to get home and cook like, cook dinner. He can cook dinner for himself. Sure. Um, and so then you're asked to do more. Yeah. Hey, I can't stay. I have to go pick yeah. up my kids from school. Do you mind? Hey, mm-hmm. we need, you know, this. And mm-hmm. we've got doctors, you know. And so that, too, as a new teacher, that there's this pressure of, like, well, you don't have as much responsibilities mm-hmm. outside of work, so you can take on more here. Mm-hmm. I don't... That's not fair. No. And I don't... I mean... So then what? My value is either as a teacher or a mom. Right. <laughs> yeah. And until I become a mom, then I ju- I'm just a teacher. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't feel good either. No. And then especially, I mean, when Jenna and I talked last year, and because she, she felt that. Um, she doesn't have kids. And so right. she's like, when I realized teaching wasn't going to work out for me, she's like, I had a crisis because what else am I if I'm not a teacher? Yeah. Where's my worth? Yeah. Where's my value? She's like, everyone's always told me I'm so great with kids. Mm -hmm. I'd be such a great teacher. And then I became a teacher. She's like, and I was a great teacher. I just can't do it for my mental health. Mm -hmm. What else am I? Am I? Yeah. Um, And when you start your career like that. (gasps) Yeah. (laughs) When you start your career like that, how do you work backwards then to be like, Mm -hmm. hold up, I have... And then there's the thing of, I mean, we t- I talk about it a lot, you know, they say build relationships with students, but don't be their friends. I have <laughs> to tell my students that I do stuff outside of school, partly to remind myself. Yeah. I play video games outside of school. What have you been playing lately, Miss Lang? I haven't been. I need oh. to carve some time out for that. Yeah, right. Do you have any suggestions? You know, oh, I love to sew. Oh, what kinds of things do you make? I haven't really sewn lately. Yeah. I really need to get on that because yeah. I want that to be part of my identity. Right. Yeah. Um, and so there's some accountability from my students, too. Yeah. Right. When I share about myself, then I can be like, oh, yeah, that is a part of me. And mm-hmm. I've been ignoring it. Yeah. You know, I love to cook. Have I cooked lately? No. Right. All right. I need to find some time to make, you know, to sit down and cook. Mm-hmm. Um, but it'll be interesting now that I have a baby. Even already. I mean, I was on maternity leave and emailing coworkers and they were like, oh, no, don't worry about it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, don't worry about it. You've got the baby. And yeah. I was like. But I'm also not just a mom. Right. Yeah. Like, what I also am going to worry about my job and my students because that is also a part of me. I was very frustrated. Yeah. I, like, offered to do stuff over summer. And they were like, oh, no, enjoy your maternity leave. And I was like, I can do both. Right. No, I I reached out. I asked. Right. So that's what I, yeah, I know. I mean, I asked about how to get paid for it, too, but. 
Well, as you should. And that's another thing. <laughs> if you do, you know, work over the summer or any of that, it, it should be paid. Yeah. There should be a way to do that. Um, and I'll have these like fantasies in my head of if, you know, administrator comes and says, oh, I see that X, Y, Z hasn't gotten done. Um, and I'll be like, I'll be happy to do it if you will, you know, put in writing that you will pay me the yeah. overtime to do it. Um, I would be so happy if I actually had the courage, you know, to yeah. do something and like that. And our department yeah. has extra funds to pay people for like curriculum writing and stuff. Mm-hmm. So when I said like, I'm willing to do paperwork over the summer, where do I send my time card? Is yeah. how I phrased it. There you go. Yeah. And they said no. And I was like, okay. Yeah. I'm not going to do it for free. Yeah. Um. I just talked to, I had a meeting the last week, was invited to a meeting with the union president. And we were talking about, while that's awesome that some people get paid to do work, but you have to know who to ask yeah, and which departments have money and which don't. Because our funding comes from a different government grant than other right. funding. But she was also saying that um, everybody gets paid a flat rate hmm. for work outside of contract hours. Hmm. We all get paid. It's like eighteen seventy five an yeah. hour. And she was like... If you're asking expert teachers to do work that expert teachers need to do, they should be paid the rate that they're worth. Yeah. Um, which is where I was, that work your wage made, yeah. felt, resonated with me. Yeah. If I'm asked to do curriculum writing, it's because I know the curriculum and the content well enough to write curriculum. Yeah. You can't ask a first year teacher to do it because they won't know. Yeah. The content and how to structure lesson plans. Mm-hmm. So then I should be getting paid my rate, not a first year teacher's rate. That's right. To do work that requires some expertise. That's right. Um, and that's one of the things they uh, are negotiating a contract, and we probably won't get the full cost of living adjustment. But that's one of the things they recommended then instead was if we work after hours, it has to be our rate and not yeah. even summer school. Summer school is paid a flat rate. Yes. Like, yeah. And I was telling my friend was asking if I taught summer school, and I said no. No. At the high school, it's a little bit less work because you can do, um, like, the online academy. So then you're just kind of Mm, supervising kids doing online stuff. The ESL teacher, if you do the ESL class in the summer, it's a full class. Yeah. Paid at $19 an hour. No. No. Mm -mm. That's not worth it. Yeah, that kind it's just, it's hard. It's hard. There's, like you said, there's so many factors into it. Mm-hmm. into the I mean I come from a family where everyone in my family my mom's side of the family who's retired still works sure mm-hmm. and you're you know when my husband quit his job they were like but what is he gonna do, do. yeah I saw something online the other day I don't know if it's true but it was talking about how that in our in our culture you know we have this idea that um we have to have a purpose mm-hmm. we have to have yeah this work uh, that somehow defines us, right? And may- maybe it's not work. Maybe it's something that you volunteer to do. But still, there's you have this purpose. You have to make these contributions, you know, yeah. these worthwhile contributions to the world. And it was saying in some cultures that there's not that um, drive. There's just this: we are beings, like the trees and the animals. Just they're just they're there you know, mm-hmm. and they exist. Yeah. And yes, I know that the trees are providing certain things, you know, right. And the animal, I, I know, I get that, but they all, they all have a purpose too. But this idea of, yeah, what it would be like to just be like, I, I am me and I will, you know, right. 
Yeah, I'll exist and be and go toward this, whether it is provides some huge contribution to the world or not. Right. You know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And I think that's what's hard about teaching is that it is it feels like and it's marketed as mm-hmm. such a huge contribution. Yes. Mm-hmm. And so you should love it because mm-hmm. it gives you so much purpose mm-hmm. and you should make your your whole life because mm-hmm. it gives you so much purpose. Mm-hmm. But then that's where burnout comes too because exactly. if it's not giving you purpose, right. you're like, where is the disconnect? Yes. <laughs> I was supposed to feel, feel good about this yes. and not exhausted and beat up and, mm-hmm. and resentful. And resent- right. Oh, that's the word. When I quit mm-hmm. the one school, because mm-hmm. I did, I was anxious and resentful to have to show up every day. Yeah. How you can't tell me that's good for me. No. <laughs> or good for society right. for me to feel like that. Right. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so what is, we talk about next steps. And as always, the the big picture, if we threw the whole system out, mm-hmm. what would it look like? But then also going into the new school year. Mm-hmm. So I guess big picture, I love the idea of community schools as far as offering additional services. Yeah. Um. I think when we expect teachers to, I mean, you've seen the the comics of teachers with all the hats. Yeah, that they right. They are supposed to teach and counsel and be a therapist and feed their kids mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. you know parent them and provide them materials and 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 mm-hmm. um, that to acknowledge all of those things and then do something significant about it, mm-hmm. you know, would be such a benefit to teachers and students. Yeah. To say, now I get to do my job. Right. Um, not that I don't want to, you know, help students through difficult times, but that there's someone whose dedicated job is to do that. To do that, right. <laughs> like, right, yeah. Um, I think that on a big scale, and then also, um, and one of the podcasts coming later in the season, we talked about just the need for more bodies. That is what I was going to say. At, that is all I have been able to imagine so far is that it just need we just need more people. So either you keep the classroom sizes the same and there's always another body. So it's always two teachers and then they could decide how they want to structure mm-hmm. their teaching and support. You know, it would I think it would look different for different people. And yeah. that would be fine because they are professionals and humans who know themselves. And so they should get to decide that. That would be cool. Um, or it would really have to be those smaller class sizes. So one, which would yeah. also require more bodies. So either way, that's that. That's all I can imagine so far. Yeah. Um, I guess you know if I took if I rested and imagined some more and did some upstream kind of thinking, you know, what else could we do? But that's so far. That's what I've come up with. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and more. I think at the high school level, more people who are culturally sensitive Mm -hmm. trained in trauma-informed practices Mm because it's very not at our school at some schools it's very easy to put more security in the building Mm -hmm. but that doesn't solve the issue right if security is people who are not trained in de-escalation or how to build i mean some of our security are so rude to the just rude to the kids Right. And the one, the one day I, these girls weren't going to class and he kept yelling at them and then they were assassing him. And so then I told them in Spanish, 
Like, for real, you need to go to class. Yeah. And then joked with them. Mm-hmm. You know, I was like, or I'll pull out my flip-flop, you know, and slap you. And they all were like, oh, okay, okay, and went to class. And he yeah. was like, why did they listen to you? And I was like, because I'm not being mean to, like, right. to them. They're also human beings. Right. <laughs> Is that how you want to be talking right. to? I know, I know. Why don't we treat... So well, I don't know why we don't treat children sometimes when the we way say, we want to be oh treated. My gosh. Especially teenagers. I like, know. I mean, they're just big kids, but yeah. also don't talk to them like they're, yeah. you know, if, if anyone talked to you like that, you'd be so yeah. offended. So I think more bodies, but it has to be more intentional. Yeah. The schools that I've seen where they're like, oh, we just hired somebody. Oh, yeah. No, I and don't I'm mean like, that. No, 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 no. <laughs> Not helpful. Um, but yeah, even part of my job, because I go into classrooms, just having two adults in the room yeah. is such a benefit. It sucks because I can't always do my job right. because I'm doing other things right. to help. But, you know, that one teacher could take a student in the hallway and chat. Yeah. Or there's just something about having another adult in the room that helps you regulate your yeah. <laughs> emotions. Oh my too. gosh. When yeah. I co-taught in Iowa, because uh-huh. we co-taught two periods together and prep together, Mm-hmm. And we literally could, like, step to the side of the class and roll our eyes at each other. Yeah. And be like, okay, good. Like, yeah. you're on the same page. This is ridiculous. Yeah. Carry on. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's Absolutely. not just me in a circus full of monkeys. Right. Yeah. yeah. So helpful. Yeah. <laughs> um, on an individual scale, mm-hmm. that question of, is what I'm doing directly benefiting me or my students, I think is a really powerful one mm-hmm. going into the new school year. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, thinking about the paperwork and stuff that's supposed to get done at the beginning of the year. No. <laughs> no. Um, it has to get done, but, like, for me, setting goals for students based from a drop-down list doesn't benefit them or me. Right. Nobody looks at them. No. Um, except my boss. I was telling my mother-in-law, I really wanted to get that done over the summer because once the students show up, I don't want to have to be doing paperwork. No. Right. It's more beneficial that my door is open mm-hmm. during my prep and kids can pop in and yeah. say... Hey, I can't find my classroom. Can right. you walk me to class? You know, our poor freshmen who come in and yeah. are so lost. Or, you know, our seniors who are like, I don't know, they put me in all these cooking classes because I needed a bunch of electives. I have no idea where culinary is. Right, yeah. Let me walk with you. Yeah. Um, to have the time to do that instead of paperwork. Yeah. Um, is so much more beneficial right. to me and my students. Right. To pull materials in addition to our curriculum that's actually beneficial to them mm-hmm. instead of writing goals about stuff we're never going to address because right. it doesn't apply to my kids. Right. Yeah. Let me do that instead. Yeah. Um, what's hard, like you said, is just the time for it. Yeah. You know, when I'm expected to sit in a meeting mm-hmm. for two hours and write a goal that I'm never going to look at. Exactly. And if I'm off task, I get scolded for it. Right. <laughs> like, okay, but this isn't helpful to me. No. Um, but to really sit down and think about it. And then, like, for me to challenge our admin and be like, I mean, our admin has pushed us to do some stuff, you know, that she thinks is going to be beneficial, but doesn't, exp- you know, how? Can you explain to me how uh, it's supposed yeah. to help? Right. Um, you know. Yeah. She, one of the things I was talking to somebody, like, she really thinks our study halls should be totally quiet. Oh. Um, because, and this is one of the issues I brought up with the union president. I said that shows how culturally incompetent right. she is. I was is just thinking that. Yeah. You go to any Hispanic household or party, mm-hmm. um, 
it's not. That's no. not a cultural expectation. No. And to ask students to do that in school is so incredibly oppressive and yes like you are as a white woman i'm not going to tell my hispanic boys they have to be quiet all day that's not fair right um and yeah and incredibly culturally oppressive um but so to push and say why why do they need to be yeah quiet well it's distracting other classrooms okay not a big deal we'll make sure so solve that problem a different way yeah yeah well because they need to be working is it possible for them to work and make noise Yes. Yes. Uh huh. Yes, it is. So we're gonna do that. It wouldn't be for me. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> but that's a great way to teach people. This is how you learn. You learn by talking about it out loud or doing a little right. bit and then talking. Kids who need, yeah. Right? Well, some <laughs> kids might need a quiet space. Great. I have a full class set of headphones exactly. that I had to fundraise for myself because uh, the district didn't provide them. Right. That they can listen to quiet music and have headphones on, and I'll check mm-hmm. in with them. But mm-hmm. no, you can't expect that for all the kids. So I think to push back for me to really like ask that question and then push back mm. on why is that an expectation yeah oh what problem are you trying to we yeah, what that's an, a good way to think about it what, yeah what question do i need to ask to drill down to the core oh. of what you know what yeah. it is we need oh, oh what, what problem are you trying concern? to solve yeah oh yeah well oh what's your concern yeah that maybe that's the better yeah. way to do it yeah. what problem you're trying to solve sounds like an engineering <laughs> <laughs> i know i've been around your dad yeah <laughs> i've had to i've had to rework that's definitely not how i would have said no. it but i've had i've had to develop that yeah yeah there's some things as far as quiet quitting that in education things just turn over so fast yeah it's just not worth the fight right Whatever this, we're currently doing this model, it's going to be a new one in two years. Oh, I know. (laughs) I don't care. I know. Whatever the current principal or admin is pushing, Mm -hmm. they're going to move on to a different job in a couple years, and it's going to be a whole new initiative. That's true. That's what I kept telling myself last year. When we have new admin and they're like, we want you to do everything you can to build relationships with students. Then I'll say, can I have them in my room for lunch? And they'll be like, great idea. Oh my goodness, that's brilliant. And I'll be like, thank you. (laughs) But there's, yeah, the things are change and shift so quickly in education. Yeah. That there's some stuff that I'm like, you know, this is really important. It's really crucial. And I'm like, sure it is. Yeah. And in three years, we'll have a whole new acronym and a whole new thing. That's right. Yeah, that's, that's... Nobody will remember this. That's true. That's true. So, yeah. That makes me feel better, too, when you yep. say, is it beneficial for me and my students? Yeah. I know that, um, you know, one one thing that has helped me, too, is thinking, okay, is this what I would want to model for, you know, like for you and, and your mm. sister, Brooke, and now that Charlie's here, you know? And part of me... Yeah. Again, that's frustrating, right? Because then it, it still comes down to my value comes t- from what yeah. I can do for you, you know, right. for other people. But it still helps a little bit to not feel selfish, right? Because yeah. we're also very conditioned to not be selfish. Yeah. Um, but just thinking, okay, wait, is this how I'd want mm-hmm. my children my grandchildren that my students that I'm close to is this how I'd want them to think that this is how we live right mm-hmm. or do I want to model no I this is what I'm worth and my time is worth this is what you've said is required of me and what you're going to give me this is what I I want for my life you know what it's just actually okay to just I want certain things for my life and that's also 
good and okay and amazing and wonderful and all of those things, right? You know what I mean? So like, so then I think, so that's my, that was, you know, that's become my next step. Okay. How do I want to model a way to live a life? And then I think my next step, maybe my next part of freedom will be just, Hey, I don't even have to be, that didn't, that didn't even have to be it. It can just be because I want it and what I want right. actually matters. Yeah. You know, I so. love, I know we both listened to Glennon yeah. Coyle and I love hearing her talk about stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Like me being a free woman mm-hmm. shows my daughters that they can also be free. Exactly. And not yeah. and your daughters and your friends and like right. everyone to be like, yeah, um, you know. Hey, there's, oh, what was it? Prom happened after Charlie was born. Uh-huh. And my friend was like, you didn't go? I was like, I have a new baby. Yeah. No, I didn't go to high school prom. Right, <laughs> like, yeah. You know, but for some people that, you know, I've never done an after school club in eight mm-hmm. years of teaching is radical. Yeah. Oh, that's an option? Yeah, don't yeah. do it. <laughs> yeah. Are you kidding me? Until they pay you? No. Right. Um. Yeah, and the other thing, when we talk about, whenever I hear about quitting, mm-hmm. is that her quote about quitting, where people say, how do you not give up? Because she's an author, um, and a, does a podcast now, and runs a nonprofit and has, you know, kids and a family, and people are like, oh my god, Glennon, how do you not quit? And she says, I do, I quit every day. Yeah. <laughs> she's like, I get up, uh-huh. and I do all the things. Uh-huh. And then I come home and I quit. I quit. Yeah. <laughs> and she'll post online, like, you know, her wife will take videos of her, like, literally burritoed on the couch. Yeah. <laughs> and she's like, I'm done today. I'm done. I quit. I did all the things <laughs> and I loved on people. Mm-hmm. And then I'm done. Yeah. Um, that you do get to quit. Yeah. And that's okay. It doesn't have to be a negative thing. It can be a, a self-love thing. Mm-hmm. You know, on top of preservation it's caring for yourself and your people to say all right i'm good i'm done with that for today yeah and now i'm gonna do for her what makes her happy is cuddling on the couch with her dog right yeah my husband and i play video games and Mm -hmm. you know do D &D with our friends because it makes us laugh yeah um you know and we get to see other people and make that a priority of yeah you know no thursday nights D &D night sorry yeah can't do anything after school right yeah what was it last? Oh, and like for me, so some of the things when we talk about having other identities, um, you know, our game stuff, our, I saw a personal trainer mm-hmm. for two years now and I'll go back to him when school starts. Mm-hmm. My coworkers were like baffled. Really? Yeah. And I was like, nope, I had to leave every Tuesday on time because I have an appointment with my personal trainer. Yeah. Um, you know, and the kids are, are you staying after school? Nope. I have to go to the gym. Yeah. Well, can you like postpone? Nope. No. It's like, that's a priority for me. Right. And I love the kids will be like, oh, yeah, you're going to get so buff and like tease me about it. <laughs> but I have, I have to do it. That's yeah. part of mm-hmm. what I do. And I. It's part of why I can come back tomorrow. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. And so, but like you said, to model then, you know, for my students even, yeah. you know, before having Charlie of like, no, it's really important to me that I'm taking care of myself. You know, mm-hmm. I always feel better. After I go to the gym, and so I, it's an appointment. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I don't cancel it. Right. And it doesn't have to be, like we used to say, so that I can come back tomorrow and work well, be a good yeah. worker, be a good mother, be a good whatever. No, just because it's good for me. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. All right. Charlie, are we signing off? <gasps> shh, 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 shh. All right.
right. Well, thank you for taking time to chat. Yes. This is our first podcast. We are on all podcast platforms um, and posting on Instagram as reimagine.teaching. Um, we'll be doing more of the conversation there and posting some stuff with it. Um, stay tuned as we go through some more new episodes in the next couple months um, and look for other news on our Instagram page. Thanks. Thanks. Bye.